Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. Today, we're coming to you with part two of the teaching entitled Fervent and Effective Prayer that comes to us from James 5, verses 15 and 16. I want to say thank you to everyone who downloads, who listens from wherever you're located. Uh, Right now, we're in seven different locations statewide uh, around the United States, and very glad to have each one of you listening in to our podcast. Um, We've had 11,000 plus downloads during the time that we've been doing this podcast, and again, we're very thankful to every one of you that studies along with us. We would welcome your contact, uh, springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. And then don't forget my book, I Surrender, available on Amazon, uh, through Amazon, or in your local bookstores. So today, we're looking into part two of the message entitled Fervent and Effective Prayer. Let's have a word of prayer and then we will get into the message. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us through the Holy Spirit so that we may know what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. As the Holy Spirit reveals it, we will receive it and release it to your people. And in releasing it, we will be changed, transformed, corrected, led, and guided into a greater understanding of what serving you is all about. Now I ask all of this in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. James 5, 15 and 16, In the prayer of faith shall save the sick, the Lord shall rise him up, and if he hath committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, we find that we can engage with Jesus Christ beyond the cross, beyond the tomb, and beyond the resurrection. We have located that in those three places, the grace of favor has been exposed by God for us to be made the righteousness of God. Now we come into the righteousness of God. And from there, we find that God in Jesus Christ is operating from some different positions, both of his official role and 
of grace. Recalling Ephesians 4, 7, that the gift of grace is equal to the measure or the portion of the gift of Jesus Christ. Now we come into the place where we're entering in to the priesthood. Now I want you to bear in mind that everything that has happened from the cross to this moment of entering into his uh, priesthood, becoming a royal priest, has been precipitated by the actions of the blood. What Jesus Christ has done for us in the shedding of blood has opened the avenue for the opportunity for grace to become sufficient for us. Now, we are going to engage with Jesus Christ in a new form of grace, under a new plateau of salvation, which is safety, and the new form of grace, which is the influence of the acts and replications of Jesus Christ. When we get to this place, we will find that we interact with Jesus in, as a sanctified believer of whom he, the sanctifier, has sanctified and is no longer ashamed because sin has been eradicated. The old nature is dead and the new man operating under the blood is brought in to being the new man and now he is under the influence of grace that allows him to worship, praise, honor the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We are able through the blood having been cleansed, purged, and refined, to enter in to the Holy of Holies where we are able to give worship, praise, honor to the one who has sprinkled blood on the vessels of ministry on our behalf. Now we also have in this place, the opportunity to see Jesus Christ as high priest operate as our advocate. Here he defends us in the heavenly dominion. He is the one who from his office of high priest affords us the opportunity to produce the things that I have spoken of, worship, praise, and honor, and to do so in the tabernacle as not invited guests, but a sanctified brethren. He has cleansed that tabernacle with his own blood. The power of the blood and our entrance through that blood has made us to become a member and a part of the royal priesthood. We now, as I said, come as sanctified brethren, into the tabernacle and there we give worship. 
Now, if there comes a moment in time when we should sin, not when we sin, because that nature was destroyed and raised in the power of the Spirit with Jesus Christ, we with Him are clothed with the robe of righteousness. Now by the actions of Jesus we have become priests. But what happens if we do an act of willful sin? Here's the idea. In willful sin we make a conscious choice to choose an act of sin over the top of the works that have been done to destroy iniquity, lawlessness, and transgression. All of that has been done for us by Jesus. But now we are guilty before God. What must we do? We must repent. We define and describe true regret and remorse for what we have done. So how do we pray concerning this issue? Well, we pray in the name of Jesus. In what office must he engage us? It's the office of the high priest. Here he defends the fallen one and stands as his representative in the throne room of the Godhead. Here he pleads the blood over the case before the Godhead. In so doing, the Godhead sees the nail scars and the wounds from which the blood that was sacrificed on our behalf has flowed. And from that blood, he sees the forgiveness that was brought to bear when the blood fell. And we are restored to full status. The scripture declares that he remembers our iniquities no more. They're forgotten as far as the east is from the west. Glory to God. But if we pray generically in the name of Jesus and never engage the act of his high priestly authority, then we have no such promise from which to function. Rest assured, the devil knows this, and this is why the consistent idea of worthiness is often the oppression of which the devil uses to depress the children of God. What happens next in the common sense church world? Well, we then begin to use grace as the means to freedom. Grace used inaccurately is a source of bondage to the one who misunderstands its function. Remember Paul said that we must not use grace as an occasion to sin. Someone said, do you mean that grace is not the encompassing means for me once I get saved? That grace is not the keeper that we have been told it was? Grace, my friend, is not a keeper. Grace is the gift that God has extended in Jesus Christ by which God has provided man to have access into the portions of the actions and replications of Jesus Christ. Man has been justified by the work of Jesus Christ in the sight of God. His interest into this justification is the blood of the perfect sacrifice. 
the means to access the portions of the actions of Jesus Christ is grace. The means to appropriate these portions is faith. So for us to say that grace keeps us, protects us, or is the transmitter of the way God accepts and looks over sin, once confession in the initial transaction that resulted in one being saved is made in an inaccurate understanding of the Scripture. Grace is the means of access into the portions, in this case, healing and forgiveness, that man enters into by believing on the actions of Jesus Christ. Faith in those actions caused the Holy Spirit to replicate the actions in you. In his priesthood, when sin comes into the life of a believer, number one, that believer can no longer come into the throne room or the holy of holies or the holy place rather until he gets the issue under the blood. Grace, again, is the means of access into the portion that is provided in the actions of Jesus Christ. Now, however, those actions come in a completely different environment for the one who has come through the earthly acquisition of the plan of salvation that began at the cross. Now grace operates in the tabernacle as the high priest ministers through the blood to advocate for the believer. Now the believer, repenting, washing himself of his sin, cleanses, purges, and refines himself, and then is called into the holy place. Grace is the means of access into the portion that is provided in the actions of Jesus. Now, however, those actions come in a completely different environment for one who's come through the earthly acquisition of the plan of salvation. Grace operates in the tabernacle as the high priest ministers through the blood to advocate for the believer. The cross has released the power in the blood to transfer a believer into sanctification that is commensurate with the work of Jesus in his role as the high priest. Now there, the believer has the ability through that blood to be cleansed, purged, and refined by the actions of the advocate. This is a dynamic position for the believer because he finds the appropriate way to receive complete freedom from a condition that brought conviction of the Holy Spirit. He is reproved. He was reproved for the act. He is forgiven for the act through the acts of Jesus Christ as high priest. He or she is restored to fellowship. They can move forward in freedom as if they were entering the acceptable year of Jubilee. What a revelation concerning the forgiveness of sin that befalls a believer. However, if this is not understood and used effectively, the believer struggles with himself. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27, I therefore so run not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. God has made a way for man to be corrected and restored. He has accomplished that 
in the plan of salvation and acted that plan in the works of Jesus. He has given him the office in the heavenly domain to make the righteous remain the righteous. We have never demonstrated an understanding of this and the result is oppression and depression. People do not sense the light of the love of God that is producing the freedom from those misguided steps. Therefore, they come back under condemnation. The devil hounds them with unworthiness. He steals their joy and dampens their spirit. You can see this coming upon them in their physical disposition. They don't do anything with the same passion or the same effectiveness that they once did. Why is that? Because they cannot get their personal emotions and feelings out of the way. The flesh is not being put in its place because they are going to the wrong place in the continuum of the plan of salvation to have any chance to ever receive it. Of course, as grace is dispensed in the area, we're dealing with the grace of influence. Grace in this arena begins to influence how we worship. We worship Him in the lampstand as the Holy God who through the works of the lampstand has brought us by the force of the blood to be made the righteousness of God. We worship Him at the table of showbread and come into Him in communion with His body and His blood. We identify with the works that has been accomplished to make us righteous and bring us into the sanctification that makes us His brethren. We then go to the altar of incense where we honor, praise, and give glory to God for the works of the blood that has been mixed with the coals to produce the smoke that by the force of the connection of the coals and the blood makes us ready to enter into the smoke with Jesus and produce the smell of our salvation that becomes a sweet-smelling savor to God. This influence changes our personality and our character until we come into the image of His Son and are transferred into the kingdom of His Son. How did grace do this for us? That's a question that Paul didn't understand and question the man in the Godhead about in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure, above measure, above the portions, through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For the thing I... Uh, besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for in my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So Paul has had an issue with Satan. Satan attacked his flesh. And he made it difficult on him in this area. What this problem is has been speculated upon by many, so to suffice it to say that this situation is one that is happening to Paul, but it is not one 
that is a problem that only Paul could have. This could be the story of any of us. We could be being derailed with an issue in the flesh that seems to pop its head up at times when we wish it would not. But it does. And we go to God and we pray about it. We probably pray in much the same way Paul did. Lord, take this from me. His answer to us will be the same. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now what's he saying? He's saying that grace will be greater than your sin. So don't worry about what Satan is doing to you because grace has it all taken care of. Isn't that the way we look at it today? No, that is not what he is saying. Paul is seeking to keep himself in check. He realizes that he is gaining territory and ground in both the heavenly and the earthly arenas. He desires that he keep the main thing the main thing. So for him to do this thing and have Satan buffet him, he simply says, I must have this issue removed. And the Lord says to him that his grace is sufficient. I know what you need and I know how to strengthen you while you're under the attack. I'll do so by grace. He's saying that in the process of grace, there is a place where you can go. There you will locate a grace that is the strength of your ability to worship me. When you come into that grace, it will disarm the attacks of Satan. So Paul accepts this and begins to glory in his weakness. He does that so that the power of Christ may dwell upon him. This is interesting because in the influence of grace that was proposed by the sprinkling of blood upon the vessels of ministry in the tabernacle made without hands, the influence of grace gave the believer the ability to be in his glory. So Paul lives under that influence where his grace is sufficient. Why? Because he found that grace and the grace of his influence to be expedient. He did not continue to be apprehended by this thorn. He found an influence that would afford him the means to overcome the enemy. Where did he find it? Well, he wrote a complete book about it called the book of Hebrews. He found it in the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. Here he would locate the reason that Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. He would find the journey through the tabernacle and the blood to be of such overcoming strength that this episode is never mentioned again by Paul. What did he find? The influence of grace that allows one to know the plan of God, the provision of God, the presence of God, and how he could be Concern, how could he ever again be concerned with an attack of the devil when he knew the place to go to locate the grace that gave him strength? If he knew what God had done 
uh, with this tabernacle to have a provision in the lampstand to have a plan in the lampstand rather and to have a provision in the table of showbread and to have his presence in the smoke how could he ever again be concerned if he could just get in to the place of worship how could he ever again be concerned about any episode that Satan may bring upon him why because he knew now where to go he knew where to go to find the grace of influence to find the ability to enter into places of worship, honor, praise, and glory where he could bask in the place of his brotherhood, the place where he was sanctified, the place where the priesthood had been offered to him by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He found the strength that would make him to be more than an overcomer. He found the influence of an advocate that made him righteous. He found a place that produced worship, praise, honor, and glory. That place was in the tabernacle where he became a priest after the order of Jesus Christ who was the high priest. Now we see in 2 Corinthians 12 in a different light. We find the place that Paul found to actually be exposed to how grace would be more than enough. That place that he found was the place where grace would actually be the source of his strength. This grace of influence has a depth which we have never explored. Why have we not? Because we thought that Jesus told Paul, you know, just go on and live with the attacks. Paul had first encountered this 14 years prior, had prayed about it on three different occasions. And we thought that God was telling him, in your sin, it's all right. In your struggle, it's all right. In your fleshly problem, it's all right. Satan's attacking you, it's all right. Just go on. I will strengthen you. Just go on. And Paul, while you're going, you'll figure out what I'm trying to tell you. Just keep going. At some point, you'll find out where your strength is. Now, all the while, Paul is the one telling us that we're responsible for taking care of the devil, that we're to arm ourselves with the armor of God and in, Ephesians, and in Ephesians 4, for us not to give place to the devil, Peter tells us to resist the devil, and so does James. So why would the Lord tell Paul that his grace was sufficient where we are told by Peter, Paul, and James to resist that satanic thing? Well, the answer is clear. There is a place that you can go in grace that has been portioned by the work of Jesus Christ where you can locate the influence that sets the record straight. That place is in the grace of influence that's found in the operation of the high priest. It's located in the tabernacle made without hands in the heavens. 
You can go there anytime you desire. You can enter and worship through the blood that's been given that opens the door because the sanctifier has sanctified you and called you a brother. But you must have come from and out of the grace of favor that frees you from sin, that destroys the flesh and the curse and delivers you free from the sin nature and then clothes you in righteousness. Now you're prepared to come into the tabernacle as a priest, follow Jesus there and experience the grace of divine influence. What will you locate? The place where he has said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Glory to God. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You can rejoice now in the struggle, my friend. You can glory in the battle. You can rejoice in the victory because I'm showing you my strong side and it is that you have been sanctified through the blood. Hallelujah. My friend, what a way to go now. What a place to be. What a new understanding we bring to grace. What a new understanding we bring to the blood. But greater yet, what a new understanding we bring to how to pray. So if we're going to pray fervently and effectively, passionately and effectively, we're going to have to understand how to use grace, the portions of grace that are released by the blood from the works and actions of Jesus Christ and enter into the tabernacle of the holy place and there find him to be exactly what he said he would be to Paul. He would be his strength and weakness. He would be the one who was going to strengthen him in all of it. We'll find it whenever we pray our way into the holy place where we can now pray and worship, praise, honor, and come into the glory of Jesus Christ. Now the more you come into the glory of Jesus Christ, the more you operate out of the holy, of, holy place, the more the weaknesses that would represent themselves in you begin to diminish, shrink, and shrivel. Why? Because they cannot remain where grace has been portioned and the replication of the acts of Jesus Christ has been delivered into your life. It will always destroy the work of Satan. We just needed to know where to go to locate that strength, to put that grace of influence into perspective. And now we have found it as we have entered in to the holy place where the blood strengthens, where the blood causes death to weakness. Yes, His grace is sufficient. His influence is sufficient. Satan and sin must cease and desist as you come into the place in prayer 
where you are walking, worshiping in the glory of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Father, I praise you today and I pray that you'll minister to your people. I pray that you will open their eyes that they can see and their ears that they can hear so that we can pray passionately and effectively. If we know where to go in prayer and how the blood has proportioned the acts of Jesus by grace, then we can attach our faith to it and find the strength in the places where Jesus Christ will show His strong side into our life. So we will pray effectively whenever we understand His role as High Priest. I pray that you'll bless us now in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Let the Word of God change us. Let our prayer life come to fruition in a way, God, that is bringing you to, to manifest yourself in the results of strength. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Find him as the high priest, my friend. When you do, you're going to find the influence that's going to come over your life and it's going to begin to serve, to detonate the blood and to allow grace to cause the Holy Spirit to replicate the works of Jesus Christ in your life. And when you do, you're off and running, my friend. May God bless you until we speak again.